This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 of Up the River by Oliver Optic A Visit from an Old Acquaintance I could not help thinking of the islander as we lay at anchor off the pier in St. Augustine. As I looked at the angry billows outside, I understood what kind of a time Captain Blastblow was having. But if he handled his vessel well and kept out of the breakers, I had no doubt he would come out of the trial all right. The wind had hauled still more to the southward, and even to the east of the south. I was confident that the islander, having the wind nearly dead ahead, would not make much headway against such a fierce wind. About two o'clock in the afternoon we had finished our dinners, both in the aft and the fore cabin. I saw the boat put off from the shore. A person in the stern sheets had a familiar look, though I did not recognize him till he came on deck. I hope you are quite well, Captain Garningham, he said, advancing towards me with extended hand. It was Cornwood who had been with us up the St. John's in the double capacity of guide and pilot, to say nothing of a third capacity as conspirator. While I could not prove it, I was satisfied that he was employed by Captain Boomsby to get me out of the way in some mild manner. He had caused a drunken mulatto to be employed as a waiter in the fore-cabin, who was another of the conspirators but both of them had been full, though, if my father had not arrived at the scene of action when he did, I might not have been privileged to tell my story. The waiter had been sentenced to a term as a convict, though Cornwood had been his counsel. I thought it was rather impotent of Cornwood to come on board of the Sylvania after what had happened, but brass and impotence were the principal elements of his stock and trade. He seemed to have as much assurance as though his relations had been entirely pleasant with me. He was a man of decided ability, though not as a lawyer. He knew more about Florida than any other man I had met, and I had never known him in the month of my intimacy with him to be ignorant of any subject, from the navigation of an interior lake or river to the scientific name of a plant or animal. In spite of the harm he had intended to do me, through his agent, I had a great respect for his ability. "'You found it rough outside, Captain Garningham,' said Cornwood, when he had disposed of the commonplace introductories. "'Too rough for the ladies, and I came in here to find a smoother sea,' I replied. "'The storm won't last long, as it comes from the southward,' he added. "'When did you leave?' jacksonville mr cornwood i asked for i thought i had seen him in the street the day before i came up in the morning boat he replied it is getting to be very dull in jacksonville and i thought i might find something to do here for fishing and hunting parties often come to st augustine without stopping at the city we had some thought of trying to fish at Indian River as we went along, but circumstances do not allow us to stop, and we shall run direct for Key West. Was there anything new in regard to the robbery of the bank messenger this morning? 
i heard nothing but your friend captain boomsby is in great trouble said cornwood smiling as though the saloon-keeper's trouble whatever it was could not produce a deep impression of his late employee what was the matter with the captain i asked with interest his son nick has disappeared nick disappeared i exclaimed not a little astonished he cannot be found though his father searched from six o'clock this morning till the time i left when did his father first miss him it appears that nick tended bar till after midnight the old man was too full to sit up any longer and he left nick to close the bar the captain says his son did not sleep in the house last night, and he has no idea where or when he went. Very likely he left in the first train this morning, I suggested, recalling all that had passed between Nick and me the day before. No, he didn't, for his father went to the station and passed through the train just before it started. He did not leave by railroad or come up the river in the Hampton, or I should have seen him. Nick has something like sharpness, and he knew he could not get off on the morning train, but he could have walked to Baldwin between the time he closed the bar at nine o'clock and taken the train from there, I added. I don't believe Nick walked twenty miles. He's too lazy to do anything of the kind, added Cornwood with a smile of incredulity but he is not a great loss to his father, and he may make his way when he is thrown on his own resources. There was another piece of news in Jacksonville this morning. What was that? I inquired. But I suppose you knew more about this matter than anyone in the city. It was said that Colonel Shepard's yacht, in which he was going to New Orleans, left without him or his family. Is that a fact? it is true to the letter i replied i took the colonel and his family on board of the sylvania and they are in the cabin now that's very odd that captain blasblau should leave without his passengers added cornwood what does it mean that is more than anyone on board of the sylvania can explain was there any money on board of the yacht i forgot her name though i've heard you mention her several times the islander she is the twin sister of the sylvania and as near like her as one pin is like another i answered i'm not aware that there was any money on board of her and i should say there was not for the passengers had not sent their baggage on board does anyone know where she's gone she's bound to the south for we saw her off St. John's Bar headed in that direction. The pilots off the St. Augustine Light saw her today noon. We were chasing her when our passengers desired to get out of the heavy seas. I should think Colonel Shepard would have some idea of the motives of Captain Blasblow. He has no more idea than I have, and I have none. We are inclined to believe that the captain misunderstood his orders, for Colonel Shepard was in doubt whether or not he should be able to go to the Mississippi with us. When the mail got in yesterday afternoon, he wrote a card with his instructions to Captain Blasblow on it, and sent it off to the Islander by Nick Boomsby, who happened to be talking to me in the post office at the time. 
sent it off by nick boomsby repeated cornwood but he did not appear to be astonished how come nick to be about at that time i told my late guide and pilot all that passed between me and the son of my ancient enemy to which he listened with deep interest he seemed to be engaged in earnest thought all the time as though nick's movements had some meaning to him though not a particle to me i told him i was in captain boomsby's saloon to say good-bye to him at the time the robbery of the messenger occurred he questioned me very minutely in regard to the affair and i told him all i knew about it buckner sent for me to act as his counsel but i thought i could make more by coming down here added cornwood i lost one case a few days ago and i don't care to lose another one in yet a while Cornwood laughed as he alluded to his defense of Griffin Leeds, the mulatto employed by him to do his bidding on our excursion to the interior. Have you any doubt that Buckner is the man who robbed the messenger of the $4,000, I asked, rather to bring him out than because I valued his opinion in a detective case? Not the slightest in the world, but I should not be surprised to learn that he gave Nick a hundred dollars or something of that sort to clear out at just this time, replied Cornwood easily. I don't see how that could have been, I protested. Nick could not have seen Buckner after the money was stolen unless he visited him in the lockup. That was easily enough done, but some officer would have heard what passed between them. Besides, buckner had no money for none was found upon him when he was arrested buckner hid the money but he stowed away enough to see him through the trial as the case now stands they can't convict the man for nick was the most important witness he saw buckner take the money i have no doubt buckner will be discharged to-day said cornwood was that the reason you would not act as his counsel i asked for the late pilot's statement seemed to be contradictory what you have told me captain garningham entirely changes my opinion you were present and you have told me exactly how the affair happened i suppose peveril saw buckner take the package that makes all the difference in the world in a court of law no one saw buckner take the money according to your evidence except nick the supposed robber was arrested down the wharf. He was searched. All the holes and corners, including the river, were searched for the package, but it cannot be found. What evidence is there that Buckner took it? I don't see any except that of Nick Boonsby, and he don't tell his story twice alike, I replied. But if Buckner did not take the money, I can't see who did take it. I saw the messenger lay the package on the counter, and the next thing I saw was Nick leaping over the counter. I don't say that Buckner did not take the package. On the contrary, I believe he did take it. Only there is not evidence enough to convict him without Nick, argued Cornwood. If I had known that Nick was to be out of the way, I certainly should have taken the case. For a man who has stolen four thousand dollars, can afford to pay the lawyer well who gets him out of the scrape. I was disgusted with this logic, though it was perfectly consistent with all I knew of the man. I did not care to say anything more about the case. 
After hearing your version of the affair, Captain Garningham, I am inclined to return to Jacksonville this afternoon and offer my services to the prisoner. When he gets out of jail, he will have enough money to pay me handsomely, chuckled the lawyer. But perhaps I can do something better if I can recover Colonel Shepard's lost steam yacht. Do you think you can recover it? I asked curiously. I am quite confident I can. I suppose you will sell as soon as the weather will permit, continued Cornwood. We shall. As I said, I am convinced that Captain Blastblow has simply misunderstood his orders. I think he will proceed directly to New Orleans, possibly touching at Key West. He will certainly put in at Key West, but he will probably be from 10 to 20 hours ahead of the Sylvania, and he will not wait for you. I should like to see Colonel Shepard. I called the colonel up from the cabin, and as it was raining in torrents, I conducted him and the lawyer to my stateroom. For two hundred dollars, I can't work for nothing. I find myself, though I shouldn't be glad to do so, for Colonel Shepard. I will recover and return your yacht to you at Key West, or at some point this side of there half down to pay my expenses, and half when the islander is delivered to you, said Cornwood. I haven't much confidence in you, Mr. Cornwood, and I don't care to advance any money to you, replied the owner of the lost steamer. Quite natural, Colonel. I will do it without any advance, but in half an hour it be too late to do anything, replied Cornwood, not at all repelled by the Colonel's lack of confidence in him. I must be in Cedar Keys tomorrow night, and I must be in Jacksonville this evening in order to do it. I shall get to Key West Sunday morning and find the islander there. The plan was considered at length, and finally the colonel assented to it, and wrote the instructions for Cornwood. He hastened on shore. End of chapter